if you have the NIV, it says the parable of the what? Up on top, unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked. It's important that it was Peter. Lord, how many times shall I, I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but what? Seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven, then he gives a parable, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle the settlement, a man who owned him, who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled his debt, and let him go. Wow. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me, you begged me to, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart, unless you forgive. <clears throat> father, I pray that forgiveness, the spirit of forgiveness would reign supreme here. In your name, amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Today's sermon, I believe, is going to be like on Wednesday I spoke on practicality, being practical. This sermon, I, I believe, if you pay close attention, is going to help really change your life. If you're new, it's going to revolutionize your life, radically change you. Because I know that many of us that come in here uh, are not too good people. We knew how to do wrong. We've done wrong for so long, we didn't know, you know, our right from our wrong. Hallelujah. If you know what I mean. So when people like us change and change radically, it says a lot to a lost and dying humanity. That's what this parable is trying to tell us. How to live outside church, the four walls. And not to live a double standard, not to be hypocrites. Okay, that's, that's going to be the theme or the bottom line of the sermon now. This parable makes for great drama. If it was a television uh, picture, people would really pay attention to it. I mean, it makes for a good soap opera. Ooh, look what happened. Look at Laura. Uh, they forgot all that stuff. But see, Christ meant for us to realize, okay, he, he wanted us to really get into it. All right? That's why he, he gives us this kind of a parable. But he's really talking to us about us. That's what he's doing. Are you with me? This parable leaves us with some heavy soul-searching questions about ourselves. Okay? That we ourselves can really look at ourselves in the mirror. This parable, more than any other, has a lot of potential 
to, to, to change us and to sharpen us up as Christians. Okay? And the reason being is because, and here's the title of my sermon. The title of my sermon is to represent. He wants us to represent. I don't know if you've, that's a, a term going around now. You know, you represent, bro. Uh, if you're from the hood, you got to represent. If you're from Victoria Ridge Hayward, you got to represent. If you're a Christian, represent. That's what God wants for us to do. He wants us to. And to represent the king of kings is a parable about the, about the king. All right? He wants us to really represent him in the proper way. Now, look at verse 23 very quickly. Okay, we're going to be dissecting this parable quite a bit here and going through different verses. Verse 23 says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now here, it calls for a day of reckoning. Okay? For the servants to come before the king and to give an account on their progress, all right, and on how they were doing to give an account. See, it's a personal meeting. It's one by one, or should we say one-on-one. -on -one. It's a personal meeting. Debts and irresponsibility, irresponsibilities excuse me, are discussed. Crimes as well are discussed. Crimes against the state. Crimes against the kingdom. All right? And how many know that if we're Christians, we can have criminal action against God? Yes, yes, yes. That's what they're discussing. They're, they're discussing uh, uh, debts, irresponsibilities, how you've acted in the past. It's a spiritual reckoning. Times of review and a time of reflection. See, people's irresponsibilities had been piling up. Okay, they had, they had some duties that were left undone. And they were piling up. And so it's a day of reckoning. Time to give an account. Now, all outstanding matters were not to be dealt with and reckoned with, cleared up. What Jesus is trying to point out here to us as Christians regarding this parable is that every now and again, God needs to have a one-on-one -on -one showdown with us regarding our spiritual life. Are we representing? Every now and then. That's why it's good to come to church again and again. Uh, because, I mean, a lot can happen between Sunday and Sunday. A lot can happen between Sunday and Wednesday. A lot can happen between Sunday and Monday. A lot can happen from the 9 to the 11 o'clock service. Uh, a lot can happen. And so it's good to come and have a time of reflection and reckoning with God. Are we representing? See, are we behind on our past due spiritual bills? Have we been criminal in our spiritual behavior? See, as we read the Gospels and follow how Jesus dealt with people, he confronted a number of people one-on-one. -on -one. That's how he would do it, one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, between you and God. God's a personal God. It's a personal time of reckoning. And when he did deal one-on-one, -on -one, he wanted people to be frank and he wanted them to be open and he wanted them to be honest. Remember he dealt with a woman at the well, one-on-one. -on -one. Dealt with Nicodemus, one-on-one. -on -one. The rich young ruler, one-on-one. -on -one. With Steve Pineda, one-on-one. Seven Pineda, one-on-one. But my dad's a pastor, one-on-one. -on -one. Ah, somebody once said, you can't name drop in heaven. Uh, but I know Pastor Sonny, you know. I know, no, 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 no. One-on-one. See, here in Matthew 18, the kingdom of God is likened into a place where God deals one-on-one -on -one with people. And he expects them, as I said earlier, to be open, frank, and honest. No hiding back. Uh, be for real. When God is about to deal with our accounts, he doesn't enjoy lying. He doesn't, he doesn't like it. I remember, you know, 
I was in a meeting not too long ago. Usually it's a long time ago. No, this was not too long ago. And I'll tell you the truth. I'll be open and honest. It was a pastor Sonny. He was talking with somebody. I was sitting there, and then all of a sudden, you know, Pastor Sonny, we're just talking, and he's, and he's dealing with a pastor. Uh, and not, not, not with just a you know, guy that just got saved, with a pastor. And, you know, Pastor Sonny's real nice, but, man, when, something, when he gets, when his hair goes up, everything, and he goes, you know what? Don't you lie to me. Man, everybody's like, mm. Don't you lie to me. When he gets his finger up, you're like, don't you. He's like, oh, man. Uh, his brother, and he's talking to a pastor. I said, oh my God, pastors can lie. Yes, they can. Uh, he said, don't you lie to me. You know, so he says, I hate people that lie to me. Uh, brother, I'm sorry I can't even pray for you here, bro. You know, It's one-on-one. That's, just, that's the way God is. He's, God, Sonny's representing God. Uh, and we need to represent too. But the beauty of the thing is, okay, the beauty of how God operates. The beauty is that once we come, you know, straight out, once we come from the interview, once we come out from, you know, our day of reckoning, we come out clean. Clean, clean, clean. I, mean, it's, it's, I know how hard it is. Sometimes people have to go talk to me or, or I got to, we got to, and then, oh my God, you know. But once everything's dealt with, Ooh, man, I'm glad he didn't cover that one. I thought he knew about that one, you know. Uh, then you walk away, you know. But you're clean. Yeah. Hallelujah. Uh, that's what you're Once you've dealt with everything, God, you know, Jesus, then you leave clean. Uh, because your accounts have been settled. Your accounts have been paid in full. You're paid up. Don't you feel good when your checking account is, is, is balanced? You feel like, ooh, yeah. You know what, honey, buy that. All right, honey, we're okay. We, we got get it. Uh, that's the way it is with God. When you're like, your account is all full and paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. Come on. Yeah. Raise him and praise him, you know. Then in verses 24 and 25, it talks about the amount of the account. The amount of the account. Uh, $10 million. $10 million. You know why he gave that figure? Because it was an atrocious amount of figure. Nobody could pay it. Nobody. It was the amount in, 19, in the 1700s, that would have been the amount of money, back in the 1700s, that the whole British Empire would have brought in for a year. So in other words, nobody could pay it back in the 0-100s. You know what I mean? It was, it was an atrocious amount of money. The, 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 man that, the, the, the debt that was owed him was only like $12 when he threw the guy in jail. Uh, not, not too much. But for them, you know, 10 million. In other words, God gave that figure to, to, to let us know that nobody could pay the debt that was owed. Uh, let me read Psalms. You don't have to turn to it. Psalms 130, verse 3. Uh, I like it. It says, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? <laughs> uh, nobody. If God broke a record, he kept the record of our sins, nobody could stand. See, when reckoning time comes, None righteous at all. There's none righteous. No, not one. See, Matthew 12, 36 says that we need to be held accountable for even every idle word. That's what it says. God will hold us account for even every idle word that was ever or never even spoken. So how can we even stand, okay, before a just king? With all that, you know, 
that is being held against us. We can't. But then in verse 25, the man is condemned. He's given the stiffest sentence, the stiffest penalty, the stiffest sentence that's possible. Okay? Now, there were some heavy wages back in those days that he had to pay. And the king is just being just. He had no choice but to mete out the correct sentence. He says, hey, I'm going you know, to throw you in jail. It's over until you repay. Hey, I got to do it. A king's got to do it. A king's got to do it. Just got to do what a judge got to do. But immediately, the Bible says, the man falls to his face and he asks for forgiveness. And because of the king's attributes, stay with me now, the attributes of God are not only just, but also merciful, he has to forgive. And the whole account is thrown out the window. Remember, I've told you that one of my favorite verses, top ten verses in all the Bibles are found in Romans. That he's able to be both just and justifier, Romans says. What a beautiful scripture. Uh, We've studied that when we studied the book of Romans. He's able to be just. You've got to go to hell. You've got to pay your account. But he's also able to be justified when we fall on our knees and ask him for forgiveness. And come out clean. Uh, he that, you know, wow. You mean, you're, I've forgiven? For, yes, you've been forgiven. Because he's able to forgive us. When he died on the cross, he was able to be now both the just and the justifier. Judge and attorney. He can be both. Thank God that he can. So when the man falls on his face, God forgives him. All right? That's the way the kingdom of God is, because that's the way the king is, okay? That's his MO, his method of operation. Now, how did the king, how did God deal with this servant in the beginning? In the beginning, he was hard. Remember that. Don't forget, I'm just bringing, it's real important what I'm bringing out right here. In the beginning, he was, he was just. In the beginning, he was, he was frank and, and, and out front. Matter of fact, he was very, very hard with the, with the servant. Now, the reason being is he wanted the servant and all the rest of the servants to see and then to understand the degree of sin and the rebellion and the irresponsibility in his part in the account. All right? In other words, he needed to, we wanted the servant to see the severity of sin. If you ever study in the Old Testament, you know, the sacrifices for sin, they're gruesome. They were, you know, when you were supposed to bring an animal, a good lamb, uh, not, not no goat, a lamb, a nice lamb. It had to be your lamb. You hadn't, couldn't go buy one away. It had to be your lamb that you had raised. Uh, that you could look in the eyes, just like, like my dog, King. You know, I mean, I, I, I've gotten to liking him, you know. But that's what it was like. You had to get your own pet, your own, and you had to come and get it and cut it bah, yourself. Not the priest. You had to do it. Why? Because God wanted you to see the seriousness of sin. Sorry, King. Look. You know, oh yeah, yeah. You had to do it. Sin is serious. I know I'm making, I'm making you laugh right now, but sin is serious. It's no laughing matter. Wah, wah. Uh, that's why they had to cut them like this because of the sign of the cross. Uh, even back in the Old Testament. See, but our sins were terrible. Jet black to God. Are you with me? Jet black. Sin is serious. And that's how God wants us to see our lives. Okay, in respect to our needs before a just, pure, and holy God. He's holy. Our sins are terrible. Our sins are just black, jet black before a just and holy God. God deals frankly, openly, and honestly with us. And he wants us in return to do the same thing. That's what he does with us. He's open and honest with us. But he wants us to be open and honest with him. Reciprocal. Hey, don't lie. Don't, don't try and hide nothing, Ananias and Sapphira. Don't try and, and hide nothing. 
Uh, Achan, don't put it under the rug because God knows already anyways. Be open and honest with him. He wants us to see. Then examine the seriousness of our sins and our guilt. Because we are. There's none righteous who not run. When reckoning time comes, our righteousness is zero. And God wants us to see that. Do you know that? How many have sinned? All. He doesn't want us to try and rationalize and make excuses for our responsibilities and our sins. Don't try and verify yourself. Don't, don't. Be, hey, God, I'm, you know, you're right and I'm wrong. I'm a sinner. I should go to hell. I deserve, you know. But thank God for his amazing grace. Remember Joseph in, in Egypt? When the brothers came to buy bread? What, what did Joseph do with them? Very important for my sermon today. I mean, he, he was like, take a beautiful story. Another soap opera. Uh, they sold him in slavery and they had sinned. Tragic sin. They thought he was dead. They thought he killed him. But he was still alive. Uh, and then he's the second in command of all of Egypt. Their, their, their father sends him to go buy bread. And who shows up? But Joseph. And there's his brothers, ten of them. All, you know, begging. Oh, begging for bread. You know. Kick me down, bro. Uh, they're like, come on. Uh, but they don't know it's their brother. But what does Joseph do? Does he say, ah, go and sin no more? No. He makes them pay. He, 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 he grinds them and makes them. You know what? Go back. And I know you got a brother. You're lying to me. <laughs> got, got like Sonny. You're lying to me. You don't be doing like that, man. You go over there and you go get that thing. Get over here. That's the way Sonny is. <laughs> I've seen him like that with me. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. I'm sorry. You know. Uh, that's what, you know, that's what Joseph, that's what God is. Uh, because Joseph wanted them to see the seriousness of their sin. You can't play. You can't toy with sin. Uh, it's jet black. He made him go and then get the brother, bring him back. And, you know, he wanted them to think. Uh, some of you, you <laughs> I, God's, I know this. You've been toying with sin. Think about it. What's wrong with you? Don't be doing that. Think about the seriousness of it. It's going to send you to hell. It can jeopardize your salvation and your Christianity. You can't do that. Uh, when you read the account of Genesis about the life of Joseph, you'll see that all Joseph, he made his brothers go through some heavy stuff to make them think, to make them agonize about what they had done to their brother. Uh, I mean, that was, that was tragic what they'd done. Oh, we've sinned against God. That's tragic. Uh, it's tragic. And no magic can take care of that. Um, but, but salvation can, forgiveness can. Thus, in the process of their forgiveness, they saw their sin for what it really was. And we need to do the same thing. They saw what they had done to their brother. And we need to see what we've done against God. See, at the cross, we do find the beauty of forgiveness. But before we can have that forgiveness, we first, 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 we need to see the seriousness of our sins and our crimes against God. You need to see the seriousness that it, that it causes, the hurt that it causes the heart of God. You can't toy with the little things. Of, I mean, if you, if you start taking for granted, you, you'll, you'll drift, you'll get out of line. And it won't be long before you could be gone. Sin is serious. Uh, and I believe that many of us haven't done that as of late. We've forgotten. Uh, you're on the wrong road if, if you've forgotten how terrible your sins are. 
You're not on the Calvary Road. You're on the Deception, you're on Deception Drive. If you have forgotten about your sins, you've been saved a long time now, a while now. Uh, you're not on the Calvary Road if you don't see the seriousness of your sins. You're on Deception Drive. And it's going to lead to destruction. Uh, but, you know, God can, made uh, forgiveness there in verse 26 and 27. But look, look at verse 28 now. Verse 28, is, as the, the story shifts in verse 28, and so does my sermon here. This is what I want to get at, verse 28. But when that servant went out, when the servant, what? What does it say there? Went out. That's a very important word. Here's where the story shifts, and here's where my sermon shifts. When the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Golly. <laughs> Uh, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. He went out. Now he was on his own. He went out to the daily hassles of life, like we're going to do today. A lot of us, we come here to church, but you can't stay in church 24-7. You're going to have to go out. Very important. I just, I've been setting up, up everything for, for right now. Because God wants us to act like we act before him in his presence when we go out. Because see, now he was out on his own. When you leave here, you're out on your own. But God wants us to represent. Not just in church. Anybody can play church. He doesn't want us to play church. He doesn't want us to play Christmas. He wants us to be genuine and for real. Ah, when you go out. See, once this servant had reckoned with God and he'd reckoned with a king, now he had to go reckon with, here's the key to the sermon. He had to go reckon with others. Stay with me now. He had to go reckon with other people, with his fellow servants, his fellow man. It's one thing to reckon with God. Oh, yes, God. You can come clean before God, but to come clean before your fellow man. Wow. That's another story. Because here's where the story turns, like I said in my sermon. See, this is a heavy spiritual psychology in the part of Jesus Christ. This parable that he's talking about. It's heavy spiritual psychology. That he's bringing out. Christ is trying to warn us not to play church, but to represent. Ah. See, many of us, we only represent God in his presence. And we're only all right when we're, when we're in his presence. That's when we're okay, fine and dandy. But Jesus wants us to be open, honest, and frank in our daily lives as well when we're out there. Ah. When you're not here in the house of God, when you're out representing not just when we're before him, but also when we're before others. Before others. See, this guy acted like a saint before God, but he acted like a devil before others. And that's a sad commentary for Christianity, for Christians. Somebody has said the best testimony for, 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 for God is, is a Christian. But the worst testimony for God is also a Christian. Because we're not really being Christian. We're, we're, oh, we come to the house of God. God bless you. God bless you. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when we go out of here, you know, rubbernecking, you know, what have I said before? I talked about reckon, has, reckoning. Uh, reckon yourself what? Dead. We're supposed to re reckon means rehearse. We're supposed to rehearse what we're going to do when the devil comes in at 12 o'clock high. Especially in the summertime with them high mini skirts, guys. That's really 13, 13 o'clock high. Uh, 
You got to rehearse. You got to reckon yourself dead. He's like, that ain't me. I'm dead. Uh -huh, I'm dead. Not me. Uh, that's it. It's over. But what did I say before? But some of us, we rehearse the reverse. Wow. You know what? Now that I brush my teeth, it's looking good. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could, I could, you know, I could. Uh, and we were thinking about what we would do if we were Christians. Wow. Wow. God doesn't want us to love a double standards. Huh? Not, not at all. It's important to carry our Christianity to the streets as well. Represent. Uh, if you're going to be a Christian, be a Christian. See, in this parable, it wasn't easy to face a king. It wasn't. Uh, nor is it easy to face others. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. Understand this, what I just quoted right there is very important. In this parable, it wasn't easy to face a king. Oh, my God, yes, yes, yes. Oh. But the same way it's not easy to represent other people. We let our guard down. But, man, these people are being created in God's image. Oh. Because we don't treat them like, we treat God, oh, yes, God. But other people, I wish you could see that on the tape. Uh, we treat God real, oh, yes. But other people, we treat them like, no, God wants us to treat both of them the same. Uh, we're supposed to treat everybody like God as best as possible. Don't live double standards. Christ wants us to put into practice what we've learned. That's why we're learning some stuff here today. That's why I said in the beginning of the sermon, you can be a lot better Christian, a radically changed Christian if you pay attention to the sermon. He doesn't want us just to be, you know, uh, hearers of the word, but he wants us to be doers also. As the book of James says, the purpose of his word is to guide us into all truth, not just to know all the truth. You can take systematic theology to your, you know, coming out of your ears, but if you don't go out and practice it, wow. You just can't be a, a hearer of the word, you got to be a doer. The servant knew what to do. The king had just showed him, but yet he didn't do it. Understand what I just said there. God had showed him how to act. Forgive, brother. I forgave you. You go out and forgive others too. I'll be a chip off the old rock of ages. Uh, he knew what to do, but he didn't do it. He was just a hearer of the word. Oh, thank you. He was just a recipient of the word, but he was not a giver. He was not a doer of the word. Jesus wants you and I, both of us, to apply the word in our lives, not just to hear it. We are not to live double standard lives. Uh, not at all. See, this servant was very hypocritical. He was very hypocritical. He acted one way in the presence of God, but when he went out, out of the presence of God, he was different. Uh, see, how do we act when we're not in church or around Christians? How do we act out among others? That's what Jesus is trying to tell us in this parable. You're supposed to act like others like you act in God's presence. That's what he's trying to tell us. See, this servant, when he confronted his fellow servants, he dealt with him on an entirely different principle than the one the king had displayed and taught him. Huh? See, in the kingdom of God, those that fall at the, at the feet of Jesus, at God's feet, are the ones that get raised up, not the proud. That's what this guy did. He fell at the feet of God. These are the ones that God will lift up, not the proud. No rigid rules 
There's no rigid rules for the grace of God. Listen to what I'm about to say right now. It's a very important statement. You might not understand it, but, but listen to it. Okay? Grace has no logic. It can't. To me, that's a deep statement. I hope you get it. But grace has no logic. The guy was supposed to, he owed a big debt. He was supposed to spend the rest of his time in hell. You and I are supposed to too. But because of the grace of God, thank God, God doesn't use logic. Grace has no logic. Just forget about it. But I'm going to shut up. No, I'm going to let Steve go to heaven. No, but you know, I'm going to, Steve's going to go to heaven. Okay. Uh, I don't deserve heaven, neither do you. But because of the grace of God showing this display no logic, we're afforded heaven. Ah, uh, that's right. See, grace, once grace operates with logic, it's no longer grace. Uh, because it starts using logic, oh yeah, no, you better go to, that's right, the guy deserves to go to hell. It ceases to be grace. Now, back to the parable. When this servant left the presence of God, and he came and he deals terribly with, with the other servant, that might look bad to us because we're Christians. But according to the secular and the worldly standards, he was really in line. He was really in line. To us, it looks, man, how could he have dealt with this guy? He only owed him $12. But according to the secular mentality, according to, to the law of the land, he was right. In the worldly courts, he'd win. If he was become before Judge Judy, he'd be a hit. Judge Judy was very rough on him. You know what? He'd be right. The guy owes you, hit it, Jack. Send him to prison. See, the man was acting correctly. The only thing is now, now that according to the parable, this man is now a believer. Now he's a Christian, like you and I. He's just come from the altar, didn't he? He just come, he just come from throwing himself at the feet of Jesus. He had just gotten up off the altar, then he went out and was living like the devil. Wow. Uh, double standards. Uh, and that's where Christians look worse. Uh, and they open themselves up to heavy criticism from the outside, outside world. That, that's the way it is. They, 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 hey, I thought he went to Victory Outreach. Isn't she, isn't she a Christian? Isn't he a minister? Ah, uh, double standards. See, a Christian has no right to put to one side all that he or she has learned within the context of Christianity for the purpose of getting ahead in this world. Uh, I know better, but I got to pay my bills. I know better, but I, man's got to do what a man's got to do. I know better, but no, no, no. You better do what you're supposed to do. What the word of God says we're supposed to do. The Bible doesn't change its words for nobody. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Others, others, others. He that is forgiveth much, loveth much. This guy had been forgiven all kinds, but he wasn't loving. Not at all. Sad and bad. Now the brunt of the parable, as I get ready to close, is that God cannot tolerate an unforgiving spirit. That's the brunt of the parable. He can't tolerate it. Man, you've been forgiven. Act like it. Go and do likewise. Go and be Christian. Go represent. I'm showing you how to live. I have forgiven you. Go out and forgive others. Ah, don't be so. That's what I'm saying. People like us, we change. We read this stuff. It gets inside of our hearts. We start living good lives. Ah, I mean, look at the life of Kilroy and Art Blau, especially Kilroy. 
The brother that was, he was, he was, he was bad. My friends say that he was the devil in prison. Now you see him, he cries. Uh, why? Because something happened. He started reading the Bible. That's what happens to you. you, start, you it gets inside of you. You got to live it. You got to forgive. See, if the individual, if he's a forgiver, we too must be forgivers. If God's a forgiver, we have to be forgivers. Is God a forgiver? Yes. See, Jesus doesn't like two-faced believers. The sequel to this parable clearly shows that. Because that, that's found in verses 28 through 35. Look at the things that he does. Uh, he doesn't tolerate it. He doesn't tolerate unforgiveness. I'm going to throw you in here and it's over. God doesn't tolerate unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, a lack of compassion, won't get you too far in the kingdom of God. Won't, won't get you too far. Uh, see, we need, to, we need to beware if we're, we're living a double, double standard lives. And you know where this is, can be very effective is in marriage life. Uh, those of you that are single getting married, thinking about getting married, uh, don't go into this marriage with, a, oh, you know, I'm right. I'm the boss. Man, if you've been forgiven, I mean, I know, I understand. I've let my wife get away with murder. You should have laughed. That's a good one. It's true. Well, now, when I first got married, though, no, 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 no. Woman, submit. I'm the man. I was the boss. But then all of a sudden, but I, I studied the Bible. I said, man, no, 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 no. Now, Stephen, I let him, yeah, okay, go ahead, yeah, okay. But that's between her and God. Between me and God, I'm going to forgive him. You know, I'm not, I, I, I can't, I'm not going to hold it. Josie doesn't know my past life. I do. I don't deserve this. I could be hard and harsh with her. And sometimes I wasn't, I'm not too hard anymore. You, you notice me, I look henpecked. Really, so, uh, you know, from, coming from my background, macho me and all, and all that stuff, I'm, I'm like handpicked now, I think, sort of. But it's because I, I, I try to listen to God. And he goes, Steve, let it run on those under the bridge, let it go. Okay, honey. Because I know my past. My wife didn't know me from before. Uh, she doesn't know what I've been through. I know my sin. He that is forgiveth much, I got to love much, man. I got I to gotta be a lover. That's why sometimes I tell the guys of the Mexican Mafia and all those guys that have been saved, some of you that have been around, forget the Mexican Mafia, just think about you, some of you. <laughs> Things that you did. Man, your sin is ter terrible. Even if you're just a young person, and just it doesn't matter, you were going to the same hell that I was going to. Oh, sin is serious. Jet black, you got to look at it as such. And if you've been forgiven much, loveth much. It's very important that we understand that. Ah, uh, See, unforgiveness can exclude us from the kingdom of heaven. That's what it's trying to tell us. Understand what is that close, what I'm saying here. If you have an unforgiving spirit, it can exclude you from God's kingdom. Because the parable is talking about the kingdom of God. And when we, you come before the king, he can then utter these words. Very important words. I use this. Listen to these words. When you come before the king, he can tell you this. If you have an unforgiving spirit, I remember you forgot to forgive. It took a long time for me to think of that. You're going to come before the king. He's going to, you're going to try and verify yourself. He's going to say, he says, I remember, God will say, you forgot to forgive. 
So I can't let you into my kingdom. Because I remember you forgot to forgive others. Your fellow man. Your wife. Who oh, no. I'm going to go to hell for Josie. I'm not. I am not. I love him and I love her. Others. Instead of hearing well done, enter the joy of salvation, we're going to hear, I remember, you forgot to forgive. See, the kingdom of God is available even to publicans and harlots and sinners, the Bible says, but not to unforgivers. Oh, God, that's heavy. The kingdom of God is available to harlots and publicans and sinners, but not to unforgivers. Wow. We cannot be unforgiving and also forgiven. We can't be unforgiving and forgiven at the same time. That was a servant's problem. Before a man can settle with God, he must first settle with others. That's what this parable is talking about. Don't let me lose you here as I'm closing. Before you can settle with God, you got to settle with other people as well. The servant had only made half a settlement, not a whole settlement. Did you, hear, did you understand what I said? Because that's what this parable is telling us. He made only half a settlement. He settled with God, but he didn't settle with other people. The f- that wasn't fully paid. The servant, uh, he settled with the king, but not with other people. How can we be sure that our sins are forgiven? By how we, we have forgiven others. How can you be sure your sins are forgiven? How you treat others. How you forgive others. The king in the parable knew what he was doing because in calling for the day of reckoning, he knew that once the servants, not just the servants, the servants made a, you know, a, 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 a complete reconcilement with him, then in turn, uh, they would go and do likewise. Thus, his whole kingdom would be benefited for the good. You probably don't understand what I said. Let me clarify it because it's very important what I'm saying here, this parable. See, the king knew. If you know what's happened between you and him, and if you want to represent him, then this whole earth is going to be a whole lot better place because you're in it. Because you're bringing a spirit of unforgiveness. He knew if he can get people to understand the seriousness of their sin, the gamut of their sin and how much they've been forgiven, then they'll go represent him in a powerful, powerful way. And this world will be a lot better place because you're in it. Christians are in it. We're, we're living in a forgiving kind of a life. He knew good and well that life outside of his palace, he knew what it was like. Listen to me. Listen as I'm closing here. He knew what life is, was out there when the servant went out. That's what God is concerned with. When you leave here, when you go out, how are you going to act? God knows it's a terrible, cruel world. It's, it, this world needs love. This world needs forgiveness. This world needs reconciliation. This world needs representatives. Like you and I. It needs us to act like the king. That's why, that's why this parable is so powerful to me. It's a powerful parable. Ah. Uh, to understand the, the fullness and seriousness of it and then go represent. Uh, because he needs representatives to this cruel, hard, 
no love kind of a world. Seven times 70, Peter. Uh, the servant had an opportunity to prove that he had been changed. You and I have that opportunity as well. We need to take advantage. The servant didn't. How are we? How are we? Uh, see, he had an opportunity to prove that he had changed, but he didn't take advantage of it. When God forgives you, you have an opportunity to go show the world how much you changed. Man, I thank God for forgiveness. I have been able to travel the world. I've come up here that none of you knew me to display forgiveness as best as possible as a, as a minister of the gospel. And you, you're able to see the tangible results. But the same thing can apply with you. You can show people how much you've changed. And you have that opportunity. Uh, the servant didn't take advantage of it. You and I need to take advantage of that. Uh, and go and do likewise. Go represent. Represent God. Be a good representative. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.